of you remember what we talked about last week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we talked about life and death, blessing and cursing. How many of you... I'm, I'm a ring and a ring, a ring, ring, ring. Hello? Paul's laughing at me back there. Yeah, there we go. I'm just so loud. I don't need too much microphone. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, we talked about life and death. What did y'all choose? Blessing or cursing? What did you choose? Glory to God. We talked about what are you growing in your garden last week, right? Well, I tell you what, I thought I had all set what I was going to do all week long and all up till yesterday. And this morning I woke up real early and the Lord said, "Mm -mm." I said, what? Do you know how long it takes a girl to get ready, Lord? He didn't much care. He said, this is the title for today. What are you planting? I thought, okay, that's what we'll do then, Lord. I like to obey him. It sure turns out better when you obey what he tells you to do. So that's what we'll do today. Instead of going forward, we'll go backward. We grew something last week. But this week, we've got to go back to what we're planting to find out how come we grew what we grew. Amen. I thought, Lord, we're going backward? He said, yep. Why did they grow what they growed? Why do you grow what you grow? Because you planted it. You planted it. So let's talk about a few things. First off, I got, he gave me three points just like right away. The first point, who is tempted? Let's find out. 1 Corinthians 13. King James. We'll move real quickly. Everybody going to stay hooked? I won't have a sign and I won't be able to, you know, we'll just get it today, right? All right, let's go. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That means it happens to you, it happens to you, it happens to you. It's common. It happens to every person that's next to you. Say, it happens to the person sitting next to me, too. It happens to the person sitting next to me, too. Okay, good. But God is faithful. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. Able to what? Able, with the temptation, also make you a way to escape. Notwithstand it. Half the people said withstand. He didn't say you'd have to endure it. He said you would escape it. Everybody's still saying withstand it. He didn't say you'd be able to withstand it. He said you would escape it. There's a difference between withstanding something and escaping something. I would rather escape something than withstand something. What about you? I'd rather escape a lion than withstand and fight a lion. What about you? Huh? I'd rather escape a bear than fight a bear. I'd rather escape a robber than fight a robber. What about you? Well, what did that word say? We'll make a way to escape it. Escape it. 
so that you can be able to bear it. You can escape it, then you can bear it. Right? Okay, the, the Amplified says this. There's no temptation or no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter what comes or where it leads. No matter what comes. So no matter what comes to me, or where it leads me, it can't overtake me. And lay hold on you has not been common to man. That is, no temptation or trial that has come to you has been beyond human resistance. Are you a human? So there's nothing that's ever come to you that you can't resist. Nothing that you can't resist. And he, who's he? This is the amplifier. You're looking up there. It's kind of small. Can you see it? And he can be trusted. And he will not let you be tempted or tried or assayed beyond your ability, your strength, your resistance, your power to endure it. But with the temptation, he will always, say that word with me, always, always provide a means of escape. He will always provide a means of escape and make you capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. He's going to make you a way to escape under everything. Now, the New Living says this. Bob, I'm really already warm, and I know you're warm. So anybody else warm in here? Yes, it's really warm in here today. Thank you. (laughs) And I ain't even started yet, and I'm warm. And that's unusual for me. Uh, The New Living says this. It says... The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Have you ever heard anybody say, but you just don't understand? This is different. This is different for me. Mine is worse than anybody's you've ever heard of. My sickness is worse than what you've ever heard of. The, de- the, the demon that I'm dealing with for pornography or for, uh, uh, let's see what I can say. What can we say? What, what can be worse than whatever anybody else is dealing with? Lying, stealing, drugs, addictions. You just don't understand the pressure that I'm under. You ever heard anybody say that? It's worse than what you've ever seen. It's just... It's the worst pressure anybody could ever deal with. The devil has just been tempting me with that woman so bad she just comes in here and she just throws herself at me. (laughs) You just don't understand. What'd you say, not me? (laughs) Where's Janet over there? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody thinks that. that. That's what the devil wants everybody to think. Your pressures and your situations and what you're going through is worse than any other person in the whole wide world has ever had to stand up under. And 
you just can't handle it because your situation is worse. Nobody has had the money troubles that you're having. Nobody. nobody. You, you just got to go to the church and they got to help you because nobody has ever had to stand in faith like you, you're having to stand right now. Oh, listen how quiet it got. <laughs> Brother Moore, Mrs. Moore, you just can't understand how bad our problems are. You've never been three months behind on your house payment. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, how do you think we learned how to stand in faith? You've never been behind on your light bill. Oh, really? You've never been behind on your what? Oh, really? How do you think we learned how to stand in faith? We didn't go to nobody and tell them we had bills that were late. That's how we learn to stand in faith. That's when you learn to stand in faith. If you go to somebody and ask them to bail you out, they bailed you out. You didn't learn how to stand in faith. When the pressure is on with everything you know and it's just sitting on your shoulders and it's just waiting on you. You feel that weight? That's temptation. That's pressure. The weight is on. We don't have the money. We got these bills. We got this sickness. Pressure's on. Temptation's on. That's when the devil's squeezing you as tight as he can squeeze you. Nobody's ever experienced that but us. We stepped out for God and the devil attacked us. And nobody's ever experienced that. Dear me. Bless your little darling heart. The devil took you on as his prize project to attack you. Because you're so special. No. No. The devil's going to attack everybody in this room that he can possibly attack. But it's how you deal with it. So what if you've got to eat cold pork and beans for six months? That's when you learn how to stand in faith. I remember a time that Keith and I went to the refrigerator and we opened the door and all we had was three shriveled up carrots and a dried up onion in it. And he'll tell you the story of how he fasted for lunch. And it wasn't because he was trying to be spiritual. It was because that's all the money we had. He didn't have any more money. It was either gas money or eating money. And we didn't go to nobody and say, um, uh, could you uh, give us an, an advance or could you loan us some money? We didn't go to Brother Hagen and say, look, we can't come and teach today because uh, we don't have the gas money to get to work today. No. We got on our face and we got before God and we said, hey, God, you told us to do this. Amen. And you said you'd supply. Where are we missing it? We're missing it somewhere, God. Where are we missing it? He said, you ain't tithing, sister. Right. <laughs> uh, well, we do it every once in a while, God. Huh? Where does it start? What are you planting? Huh? There's no temptation taking you that's not common to every man that's on the row with you. 
He will make a way of escape, but we got to do what he says do. Everybody's dealing with the same thing, whether it's sickness, whether it's finances, whether it's family, whether it's your cousin, whether it's your husband, whether it's your mama. Hey, everybody's dealt with marriage problems. You ever had any marriage problems? Yes! (laughs) Can I raise them both at the same time? If it wasn't for the mercy of God, Keith and I would be divorced today. I've told it a million times. Go back there and get the marriage tapes. It's on them. We would be divorced today. Why? Because the devil tempts you. And he attacks you. And he tries to steal everything you've got. He'll try to steal your finances. He'll try to steal your marriage. He'll try to steal everything you've got. He'll try to tell you they don't love you. They're taking advantage of you. They don't appreciate you. They don't see the value in you. Somebody else values you more. And they're going to send somebody else across your path. I guarantee it. And they're going to be right there to pat you on the back and say, you do such a good job. I sure do appreciate you. Your wife don't appreciate you. Huh? Temptation. There's going to be somebody there to do it. And it's going to be your choice as to whether you listen to that or whether you don't. Whether you run to them every time you have a little spat with your spouse and spill your guts or not. See how quiet it got? You don't want to get quiet right then. Your spouse is sitting right next to you. Right? Everybody has had difficulties in their marriage. I know I've heard some people say, No, we ain't never had a fight in our marriage. Well, then you're dead. (laughs) One of you is dead. (laughs) Because the Bible said when you get married, you will have trouble in the flesh. Because you've got two fleshes going together, there's going to be some trouble. You're going to have an opinion and he's going to have an opinion. And somebody's got to give in. And I had lots of opinions. (laughs) And I don't mind telling you. And somebody had to learn to submit. And it's the same thing that when I went to God and I said, Hey, God, we got problems. I didn't go to the pastor and I didn't go to my boss at work and I didn't go tell all my friends about it. I went to God. And I said, hey, God, you said in your word we could have a good marriage and we could have a blessed marriage and we could have heaven on earth. And he said, hey, Phyllis. (laughs) Does he talk to you the way he talks to me? He said, my Bible says, wives. That's kind of like tithing, wasn't it? I said, oh, 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 okay, God. That's how you fix that. Huh? There's going to be temptations. There's going to be times that you want to spend your light bill money and not tithe. There's going to be temptations and times that you want to tell your husband off. 
Husbands, there's going to be times you don't want to walk in love to your wife. Your husband, you thought you got off easy. But when you go to God, what's he going to tell you? He's going to say, you're going to go to him, you're going to say, God, what's with this woman you gave me? Huh? And he's going to say, Bob, Tom, Joe, Bill, Mike. He's going to say, love your wife. And be not bitter against her. And you're going to have to go, Oh. Oh. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You're the head of that house. Fix it before you go to bed tonight, man. Huh? Are you the head of that house? Whoa. See how quiet it got? Uh huh. You're going to be tempted. Everybody in here, there's no temptation taking you, but what is such, this man's going to be tempted the same way, this man's going to be tempted the same way, this man and this man and this man and this man. and this. We are all tempted the exact same way. Nobody has anything any different than anybody else is going to have. You're going to be tempted with money. You're going to be tempted with money. You're going to be tempted with money. You're going to be... You're going to be tempted with marriage problems. You're going to be tempted with marriage. You're, you're, everybody in here that's married is going to have them. But it's all in what we do with them. It's all in how we handle them. If we go gossiping to every man that we know and say, my wife, oh, Lord, I can't get a word in edgewise. She runs the house. She tells me everything to do. Well, whose fault is that? Huh? You ain't talking. Sometimes you got to talk. Don't go talking to somebody else. Talk to God. And when he tells you, love your wife. What, what do you do with that? Obey. Good answer. Good answer. Let's keep going. Let's find somebody else that was tempted. Well, let's read the Living Bible. I never got that far. The Living Bible... But remember this, wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new or different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. And no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from coming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this, and he will do what he says. And he will show you how to escape temptation's power. What did I just tell you? What did I just tell you? He will show you, if you go to him, how to escape temptation's power. Say that with me. He will show me how to escape temptation's power. Now, what did I just tell you? I went to him, and he said, Phyllis... What did he do to me? He quoted me the word in every situation that I went to him about. He said, Phyllis, what's wrong with your finances? He said, you ain't tithing. You ain't putting me first. You ain't seeking first the kingdom. Oh. Kind of like Brother Hagin said, that was kind of a low blow, Lord. <laughs> but if I chose to do that, what happens? 
the temptation becomes powerless. He made a way for me to escape that temptation. That temptation in my life became totally powerless. The devil had no more power over me in that temptation. The same with my marriage. Say that. He says, Phyllis, you've got to listen to Keith every once in a while. You know that, right? You know? When he says, y'all, y'all, you need to teach or, you know, you need to do this or, or you've got to give in or y'all need to go do this. You kind of need to listen. What will make the enemy powerless in the strife in my marriage? Me listening to what he said. Now, I can't find reasons to say that he's not yielding to God. A lot of women do. They say, well, that's not God. Well, that's between him and God, not me and God. That's between him and God. But if I want to make the devil powerless in my marriage, I've got to do what God said about that situation. I can't reason it out in my thoughts and reason it out in my head. And if God tells me, Phyllis, you want to get over that sickness in your body? You need to start doing what your husband said and rest more. Oh, rest. That's like a four-letter cuss word to me. Rest. Don't go 24-7. Rest. That makes the devil powerless then in my life. But now I can go on and keep on doing. And then the devil still is able to tempt me and control me in that situation. But if I go to God and I do what he says do, then the devil becomes powerless. He made a way of escape for me in that situation. That's the way it works. But you know what? He's going to do the exact same thing to you. But where people run into problems is they want that 1,652-volume set of answers. (laughs) How to solve this problem. But there's no such thing that exists. Because I don't know the situation with you two. Maybe the situation is, maybe you're doing, maybe you are submitting in every situation. And maybe he tells you, you need to do this. And maybe you are loving her and he tells you, you need to do this. I don't know their situation. But he knows their situation. That's why he said, go to God. Huh? That's why he didn't say, go to the pastor. We don't need an intermediary between us and God. He said, you go to God and he will tell you what you need to do as a way to escape. I don't know Rob and Carrie's situation. Maybe Rob says, Carrie, would you cook me dinner tonight? And Carrie says, no. I know that wouldn't happen, so I can pick on them. (laughs) Carrie says, no. Rob says, I'm really tired. I went into work at 6 this morning, and I know he did, and I, went, and I didn't get off till 9. I don't want to go eat out. Would you just please cook me something? And Carrie says, no, I'm tired too. I'm watching this TV program. Never happened, but, you know, 
I'm not cooking for you. No. You, you fix yourself something. And then something happens with her. And they have marriage troubles. What is her way of escape? God, she's going to go talk to God and what's God going to do in her heart? What's going to be happening in her heart? Huh? Twist, turn, problems. You know it. When she goes and talks to God and lays in her bed tonight, what's going to happen? He's going to say, that's why you have problems. You didn't do what I asked you to do. Every person is going to be different. And maybe the whole situation was, Rob, you could have called her two hours early and told her and she was sitting there, she could have had you something ready to eat. Where would have been the love in that? Instead of waiting until you walk in the door at 10 o'clock at night and saying, cook me something now, when she's been there all day long. Huh? There's a lot of situations. I don't know the situation. But you know who does? God knows the situation. And He will make a way of escape for us if we will look to Him. He makes our way of escape. Now let's look at Matthew 4. Verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up in the Spirit into the wilderness, and He was tempted of the devil. Even Jesus was tempted of the devil. But what did Jesus do? Does anybody remember? He quoted Scripture to him. Because he looked to the Lord, he knew the Scripture, and he quoted Scripture to him. And Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points, say all points, tempted like we are, yet without sin. So you may lay there and you may say, nobody knows what I'm going through. And laying in your bed crying at night and say, nobody understands what I'm going through. And just have a real pity party and go through six boxes of chocolate and six boxes of Kleenexes and laying there and feeling sorry for yourself. Is Jesus a somebody? Then you cannot say nobody knows what you're going through. Because this says he was in all points tempted like as we are. So he knows just exactly what you're going through. He's been there, he's been through it, and he did not sin. Don't get quiet now, that's a bad place. Say, he didn't sin, so I don't have to sin. Say, but you don't know how mad they made me. They really, really, really pushed all my buttons and they stole money from me. And it was my family and me and my sister, we just don't jive. And the holidays are coming up and you just don't get it. Really. In all points. You reckon he had any family problems? You ever read the Bible? That's all I got to say about that. Point two. Avoiding traps. You want to avoid some traps? This is what the Lord told me this morning. It was just as clear as it could be. The devil is a pusher. Like a drug pusher. But instead of pushing drugs, 
He's a thought pusher and a feeling pusher. And in our lives, that's worse than drugs. It's exactly what the Lord told me this morning. He's a thought pusher and a feeling pusher. And in our lives, that's worse than drugs. Let's look at some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 2.11. It's a real short verse, but I want you to get it. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we, say the next two words, are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. Now, the English version says this. Do we have the English version? Let's see. Do we have it or not? Do we know? Do we have it? Yes, we do. Read this with me. In order to keep Satan from getting the upper hand over us, for we should know what his plans are. Do you want to keep the devil from getting the upper hand over you? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, that's about half the crowd. The rest of you, I guess he wins. Let's try it again so we can give everybody a chance. Do you want to keep the devil from getting the upper hand on you? Okay, that's what I thought. All right. We want to know what his plans are. Okay? He pushes feelings and thoughts on us, but how do they start? Look with me at James 3 in the Amplified. Verse 2. We're getting somewhere. You hanging in? Okay. For we all, say that word all, All. often stumble and fall and offend in many things. But if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character, a perfect man and able to control his whole body. So if you never say anything wrong, you can control your whole body. There should be more excitement than that. Do you know if you never say anything wrong, you're able to control your whole body? You'll never do anything wrong. You'll never go the wrong place. You'll never say anything wrong. You'll never be anything wrong. You'll never act wrong. You'll never be the dummy. You'll never, you'll never react in a situation wrong. You'll never spout off before you're supposed to. I mean, you'll never do anything wrong if you're able to control your tongue. One, two, three, glory to God. Glory, glory to God. God. Hey, that's, that's a newsflash. Yeah. Because if you can control your tongue and you can control your mouth and all you've got to do is when the devil gets ready for you to say something like Keith has taught us many times is just go. That's all you've got to do is just keep quiet and you're able to control your whole body. It says, and curb his entire nature. That means nobody can ever say again, it's just the way I am. It's just who I am. It's just how I am. It's just the way I was raised. It's just the way we are. 
What, what does that mean? Is able to control his high, entire nature. What does that mean? Doesn't that mean it's just the way you are? It means you can control just the way you are. That's right. By your mouth. It says, if we set bits in the horse's mouth to make them obey us and we turn their whole bodies, likewise, look at the ships, though they are great and are driven through rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest a tiny spark can set ablaze. Okay, I got a question for you. It's a very important question. Everybody listening, right? What does it hurt? Now, everybody's looking at me, right? For us to give in. Huh? That's where we lose it. What does it hurt for us to give in? Okay, say this. Say this is a circle with Phyllis right here. This is my Phyllis circle. Okay? And everything is about me. Thanksgiving's coming up. I like the turkey cooked this way. And I don't like celery in my stuffing. Never have, never will. Hmm? No. And I like the table set a certain way, and I like to eat at a certain time. And I like things spotless. And I like the good china out. And I like to do it at a certain place. And I like green bean casserole. Hmm? And pumpkin pie and pecan pie. Huh? Mm-hmm. And sweet potato casserole and squash casserole. I, I cook myself. I don't expect anybody else to do it. But what if? God forbid. <laughs> somebody else decides for you that they want to have it at their house. And they want to use paper plates. And plastic forks. The little ones. And the paper plates that are so thin that you can't even put the turkey leg on because it... (laughs) And the adults don't eat first. The kids go and devour everything on the table first and stick their hands in it. And none of the napkins match. They're paper. 
and you drink out of plastic paper cups and not even any ice and you have to drink stinking tea. There's only three things in the whole wide world I don't like. Well, four. Bell pepper, celery, iced tea, and certain kinds of fish. Don't care for it. In the whole wide world. And that's what they fix within the lunch. <laughs> tea, bell pepper, celery. Shut up, Janet. <laughs> she knows me too well. And they want to have it at their house. And they want to do it in the evening instead of at lunchtime, mid-afternoon. I'm in my circle. What is it going to hurt me? I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I left you out of it. What is it going to hurt me to give in? And eat fried chicken and mashed potatoes and cornbread dressing or, or packaged stovetop stuffing with celery in it? Huh? And green beans out of a can? What's it going to hurt me? It absolutely is not. Because the very most important thing is not what I eat that day. Huh? And it's not what you eat that day. The very most important thing is not what you eat off of that day. Or what time you eat that day. The very most important thing that day is you being thankful for the person that you're next to and that they're alive and that they're well and that they're healthy and that you have time to fellowship with them before they die. And sometimes in order to do that, you've got to get out of your little bubble. And already, already, you have to realize people already think you're this way. Hey, look at me. They already think it because they think you think you know more than they do. Because you already tried to preach to them. Me. I'm just talking about me. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm looking. Here's my mirror. So what does it hurt if we totally get out of our little comfort circle, totally get out of our little comfort zone, and we totally get out of our bubble and get into their bubble and do 100% of what they want, and they are right about everything. For one day! One day! You know that was the best dressing? Just eat the cornbread part of it. Leave the celery out. You know, I've never seen these kind of plates before. In fact, you ain't. Find something positive to say. We don't have to be holier than thou. 
And you may know more than they do, but what wins people? Love. Love wins people. Every time it wins people. And maybe they want to do it totally different than you like. Maybe they want to use everything you wouldn't use. Maybe they want to use... Keith is not so big on cinnamon and nutmeg, but maybe in every pie they bake, they put cinnamon and nutmeg. He'll eat every bite of it and never say a word. Maybe they fix fish for everything that they've got and got bell pepper and celery and fish for lunch. (laughs) And iced tea. Yum, yum. I may throw up for three days, but I'm going to eat it. And you think I'm kidding. But I will do it. We will do it. The Bible says, eat what's set before you. And you know what? We've become a people that you can't even go into a restaurant without ordering. And you have to pick, oh, no, I don't want this. I don't want that. No, you can't have this. No, you can't have that. No, you can't have this. You can't have that. And we've gotten that way with our families. It's okay if you're by yourself maybe to do something like that. But when we're around people that we already think are sensitive to us. And they're a little bit touchy about us. What should we be? We should be walking in love. We should go over the hilltop and down the other side to walk in love with them. Huh? We should do whatever they want done. No, don't make that cake today. I'm going to do all this. Well, I know mine is better. I'm talking about just using me for an example. You know you think yours is better. Don't just look at me like that. You know you think yours is. But why do you think that? Because you are used to eating yours. And in your opinion, yours is better. In their opinion, theirs is better doesn't matter. If you've eaten it for 50 years, you think yours is better. If they've eaten theirs for 50 years, Dave and me and Rob and Dan, when we stayed here for three years, it was the funniest sight you'd ever seen when we were building this church. Dave eats totally different than all of us. And even just the other day, last week, he was here. Okay, I eat a little more healthy than Dave eats. So I was eating. Can you imagine that? Go figure. <laughs> Dan is in class today, and I sent him to get me some lettuce wraps that, you know, uh, was just lettuce and just almost nothing in them. And Dave walks in, and he said, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay? And so I'm like, you know, it is. But he said, I would never eat that. But he will eat gravy smothered over a biscuit with sausage in it. And I'm thinking, how can you eat that? I'm thinking, you know, how do you not know how bad that is for you? You know, how do you not know that that gravy and that thick, thick cholesterol stuff and that smothered in sausage and biscuit, you know. I'm making you hungry, ain't I? (laughs) It's bad for you. But you know what? That's between him and God, not me and him. It's none of my opinion what he eats. That's between him and God, and I'm not to judge him for anything he does. If he likes biscuits and gravy, more power to him. And if I like... Duck lettuce wraps, more power to me. 
And if my sisters love stovetop stuffing with dressing in it and canned biscuits, glory to God. They don't. I'm just kidding with you. My sisters are two. One of them is a professional chef, and the other one is one of the best cooks you'd ever want to meet. I just used me for an example. I exaggerated that story very, very much. I never would mind eating either one of my sisters cooking. They are professional cooks and the very best. They're very good southern cooks, and uh, they can cook anything under the sun. My mom taught us very well how to cook. And um, they could cook me anything, and I'd, I'd sit there and eat it half a day. I don't do good to be around their cooking, actually. And, um, and desserts just beyond words. But what my point is, we don't have to have it our way that day. We don't have to get what we want that day. We need to be thinking about other people. We need to be willing to do what somebody else wants. Where the temptation comes in is us thinking we have to get our way. What rises up inside us when we think, I don't like it that way? What happens when we think, that's not the way I do it? Well, who said your I do it was right? Who said your way was written in this Bible? The only way that I know that we're supposed to do it is His way. And His way is L-O-V-E. And that's not... I never saw in there where it said, use nutmeg in a pie. Or not. I never saw in there where it said, use celery in a dressing or something. No. It said, prefer your brother. Eat what's set before you. And it do, do us good over these holidays to remember that. You got that point, I take it. I think you did. Okay. This next part says, this is, this is what we do. Philippians 4, 8. This will help you. What time is it anyway? Yeah, okay. I got some time. Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers. This means sisters too. It says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever... Th- you say, I have to stop on those two because so many people say, well, it was true. The dressing was bad. <laughs> I was honest. It was as dry. The turkey was so dry. And she asked me, how's the turkey? And I just told her it was dry. No. 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 Huh? No. Some people are just that way. They asked me and I told them. I was honest with them. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. But it all has to be based on this last part, or of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If you can't give a good report and you can't give any praise, zip it. Like Mama always said, if you ain't got nothing good to say... Don't say nothing. When they ask you how the turkey was, say it was, I mean, you basted that thing really good. It was the color of it. I ain't never seen one that color. <laughs> hey, you find something good to say. How did you get that cheese to melt on top of that broccoli casserole like that? I've never been able to do it quite that good. Huh? You find 
something good to say. That's the sweetest tea I think I ever had. That's so good. You find something good to say. Who put up all these Christmas decorations already? Boy, you're on the ball. I wish I was on the ball as good as you. Change the subject. You can find something praiseworthy to say. What are you planting? Come back to the subject. What are you planting? Listen to me carefully. If you want people to enjoy coming to your home, if you want everything you do in your home to be blessed, if you want every dinner party you ever have, if you want every meal you ever have to turn out good, then you sow that. If you want everything you do in your household to be blessed, you be willing to sow that seed to someone else. You be willing to go to their home and you be willing to be on time and you be willing to bring blessing into their home and kindness into their home. Don't be coming into there begrudging everything that's happening. Then when you work really hard on a meal and you've worked for two days to prepare something, do you want people to come in your home and the whole time they're there after you've worked three days on a Christmas meal to have a big fight? Huh? Is that what you want? Do you want there to be a big family spat after you have worked for days spending money, spending effort, spending time? Huh? Then what do we want to plant, guys? What if we plant it over the years? You diffuse situations. If somebody starts talking about the will and you know you ain't in it, then you change the subject. If you know your big sister or your little sister's getting everything because they're their favorite, so what? You got a favorite God that'll bless you greater than that mom and daddy ever had. They ain't got nothing but a rocking chair anyway. <laughs> Unless somebody in here's got a multimillionaire parent I don't know about. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are you fighting over that rocking chair anyway? Or those dishes? You don't even gonna use them anyway. They just gonna sit in the cabinet and draw dust. When God will give you something you'll actually enjoy and use. I know. When my mom went home to be with the Lord, I told my sisters, "I don't care. We'll pay for the funeral. We'll pay for everything that there is. Y'all can have everything that there is. We saved all the strife that there could be. I didn't. I didn't want anything." I said, you guys be blessed. Have it. Have it. I don't care. I love mama. I love you guys more than that stuff. I want you two to be blessed. Just have it. You say, didn't you love your mom? I love my mother. If you knew my mother, you'd have loved her too. Ain't nobody she met she didn't love. But it's not worth having a big fight over something. Besides that, my daddy's still alive and he'd have slapped you around and told you you ain't getting it no way. He's a little bitty guy, but he's tough. But no, don't fight at Thanksgiving. Figure out a way to work things out. Figure out whatever is true. 
whatever's lovely. Tell your sister her hair looks so pretty, whether it's frizzy as mine. <laughs> Find something to say positive the minute you walk in the door. It doesn't matter what's the situation. Say, exactly, something smells good in here. What you been cooking? Find something to say that's good about them. Whether you're going to a friend's house or whether you're going to family's house, whether you're just staying home, go in there and tell your wife, man, I sure do appreciate that. You didn't have to cook all this for us. Make it a good day. You'll be glad at the end of the day you did. You didn't get that. Do you know what it matters? What you're feeding on that matters what your life is like. People think they can just eat anything spiritually and nothing matter to them. Like to me, people watch a lot of things. They listen to a lot of things. They ingest a lot of things spiritually. And they wonder why they're agitated. Like if I go into a store or I go into a business or I'm at a stoplight or I'm someplace and I hear certain kind of music, I don't realize why all of a sudden I'm going, and you're just kind of getting agitated. Anybody else sense that? You're just getting agitated. Well, it's the same thing with TV programs you watch. You're sitting there and you don't even realize it and you're just getting more and more and more tensed up. Why would you want to watch something that makes you tense? Why? Why would you want to watch something that doesn't give you peace? Is there too much peace in your life? And raise your hand if you have too much peace in your life. That's what I thought. Why would you want to watch something that doesn't bring you joy? Is there too much joy in your life? You understand what I'm saying? Why would you want to read something that doesn't minister peace to you? Why would you want to read something that doesn't bring you joy? Why would you want to read a novel that you're crying three quarters of the way through it? And you just keep crying and you just keep crying. And it just brings you further and further and further and further down. Whose spirit is that? God gives us a spirit of joy and of peace. The joy of the Lord is our So who would be wanting to minister this to us? So why would he want you to read that book? Why would he want you to watch that movie? To make you weak. He knows that he's like pulling the plug on a bathtub. You watching that? You reading that? And you don't even know it. You don't understand. You, you don't even see the results. But if you could see into the spiritual realm... Why that during that week you had a big fight with your spouse or you had a big fight with your boss 
or you had a big blowout with somebody or something happened that week, go back and look at what you watched the week before. Go back and look at what you watched a few days before or you read a few days before. See if it made you tense and tied up in knots. See if it made you weak and pull the plug. Or see if it brought you some joy. See if it ministered peace to you. See what it ministered inside you in here. See if it added anything to you or if it took something from you. How many of you got anything extra to spare? Or how many of you, as you go through your day, you're constantly having to deal with that person that pulled out in front of you? Or that person that's in the grocery store line that just put 622 items in the 10-item line? Huh? Or you have to stand in the grocery store aisle with three carts in front of you and they're taking 25 minutes to make it. I'm, I'm fast, okay? They're taking 25 minutes to make a decision about one box of rice or one can of beans. Huh? Do you ever need those extra patients? Huh? Are you going to use it on that movie that's tying you up in knots? Or for your, your kids? They ever try your patience? Huh? How many's got kids in here? Huh? They, have they ever tried your patience? <laughs> ever? Have you ever snapped at your kids and didn't tell them, but you walked away and thought, man, I shouldn't have done that like that, and walked away? Why would you have done that? Maybe you expended it in other areas that you shouldn't have been expending it. Okay? We're going to avoid those traps, right? Now, how do we overcome these traps? We're, over, we're avoiding them by avoiding those things in our lives, right? We're going to watch our tongue, watch our speech. We're going to avoid them by not saying the things that we shouldn't say. We're going to avoid them by, just because we know the turkey's dry, we're not going to say it's dry and set off a chain reaction of being mad at our sister or brother. We're going to avoid the traps that the devil's setting for us, right? Okay. We're going to overcome these traps. Romans 7, 14. We're getting there. This is the NIV, guys. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Oops. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do is this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer what I do, I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. 
So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For I, in my, in my inner being, I delight to do, delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Oh, wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. That ever happened to anybody? Did you get that? It was quite confusing. I'll tell it to you real easy. Have you ever intended when you walked out of here, we've heard this whole thing this morning, I am going to do good when I get around my family. Good intentions. How many in here got good intentions? Absolutely. Then you get there, and they just say something that you just can't handle, and you respond before you think about it, and it sets off a chain reaction, and you really wish you wouldn't have said it. Let's talk about it. First John, verse 5. This will help you. Have you ever thought of, like we've said it a hundred times probably in here, Keith said it, I've said it, the law of displacement. What would be very, very wise for each and every person in here or any person that's getting with family that you've had issues with in the past, anybody that's ever had any problems with anybody that they're going to be getting with over the next holiday season or anything, to build their self up. Because what happens is, it's like Keith has said, and it's a very good example, if you take a glass of milk and you set it in the sink and it's maybe this much full of milk and you turn the water faucet on full, what's going to happen? Won't be very long until there's no more milk in that glass it's overtaken by the water in the glass, right? Well, that's what can happen with us. If we'll take the next few days, next few weeks, and even when we read our chapters, or even in the morning times, or even as we are doing things, we use the law of displacement in our lives, and we spend more time with the Lord than we do watching those shows reading those things that are not beneficial to us. You'll see what it's going to produce in our lives. Look with me at 1 John 5 in the King James. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The Amplified says it this way. For whatsoever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. The English version says it like this. Because every child of God is able to defeat the world. And we win the victory over the world by means of our faith. Now that said it real good. What do you need to apply going into this situation? Your faith. You need to be believing God before you even get there, that He'll help you to know how to respond in every situation. 
He'll give you the wisdom as to what to do in every situation that comes about. Now, um, Matthew 26:40, and this will answer it for you, what we were just talking about. Now, do you think the disciples were spiritual? How many of you think the disciples spent time with Jesus that they... Ten people do. Okay. Well, I personally think they were some of the more spiritual people around. I mean, anybody could hang with Jesus and, and do what they did. I think they were. Were there ever times that one of them took a sword because somebody pressed him the wrong way? And chopped off somebody's ear? Huh? There are times that things happen. But why did they happen? Were there ever times that uh, one of them intended on not saying, I'm with him, or I'm not with him, or I'm with him, or I'm not with him, or I know him, or I don't know him? What happened in his life? Hmm? Here's why. Matthew 26, 40. And it came to pass, and, it, and he cometh unto the disciples, and he finds them asleep. And he said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41. Here is your answer for the holiday season. What's the first word? Watch, watch out. That's your first word. This is your homework assignment for the next several weeks. Watch. Watch what's going on. Watch as you step into the situations. Watch everything you do. Move slow. It's much better to move slow than it is to make a mistake. Watch. Number two, pray. If you'll pray, you'll enter not into temptation. Pray. Spend some extra time praying instead of getting involved in those books and those TV programs that tense us up. Bring peace into the situation. Pray. The more built up you are, the law of displacement will work in your life. And you will be more easily able to walk in love with everybody that's around you. Because it's a tense situation. People are stressed because of money. People are stressed because of extra work. People are stressed because of having to go out and shop. And to be honest with you, people, this is the number one reason people, I think, are stressed over the holiday season. They're stressed because they're supposed to be having fun. They, They are. They're stressed because they're supposed to be having fun. And they're trying to make themselves have fun and make everything perfect to have fun. And by the time they try to get everything perfect to have fun, they're too, too worn out and too tired and too stressed to have fun. Where if we would do this, Miss Gloria taught me something years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago when we first, one of the very first few times I ever heard her. And it has been something that has been a staple in my life for decades. She said the very first thing she does in the morning is she wakes up and she prays. 
and she spends time praying. And she said, if I don't have time to get up in the morning and pray, I'm too busy. If I don't have time to get up and spend time with the Lord in the morning, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy with worldly stuff. And I found that to be true. If I don't have time to wake up in the morning and spend time with the Lord and be quiet and hear from Him for that day, I can have a whole day the night before I go to bed planned out in my head about what we're supposed to do today, whether it's shopping or whether it's going to this place or whether it's doing this or whether it's doing that. I can in my mind think this is what we're supposed to do today. And I'll pray that morning and I'll think, no, that's not what we're supposed to do today. And I'll hear from God. And Rob can tell you, if Dan were in here, he could tell you, the staff can tell you. We'll change the whole day. We'll change everything that we're doing. Why? Because God is smarter than us. And if we are in the wrong place, what can mess up your whole holiday season? An accident, an injury, a death, ruining your car, a family member getting hurt, uh, spending all your money on, on bills, uh, falling and breaking an ankle, doing this, doing that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to fall into the devil's traps over this holiday season or any time during your life. We're talking about the holiday season, but these things apply every day of your life. Dealing with your family, they get on the phone, they try to tell you all their woes and try to tell you all their problems. Don't let your ears be a trash dump for people's problems. Stay prayed up. I'll tell you how to fix that. You want to know how to fix that? It's real easy. real easy. Every time somebody calls you and wants to tell you all their woes and wants to tell you all their problems, get your Bible out and say, you know what will fix that? Let's read this chapter right here. But you know why you don't do it? Because you want to hear it. Huh? It's the facts. We don't need to hear people's problems. I can't fix your problem because I hear it. The only way I can fix your problem is if the Lord tells me to fix the problem. The only thing that fixes your problem is this book right here and that man up there. So just anytime somebody wants to come and dump all their problems inside of you, you don't need to hear that. Get your Bible out and say, hey, let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 13 about love. They're having marriage problems. Hey, let's read this. I can guarantee you if they're having marriage problems, it's just as much their fault as it is the other party's fault. Let's read this. They'll quit calling you and dumping on you. It won't take long. Some of you were looking at me like, that's not love. It's more love than you think. Because they're talking the problem, they're not talking the answer. 
It's a lot more love than you think. Okay, here we go. Um, pray. The last part of this is your answer to why, oh, wretched man that I am. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is how we overcome it. Your spirit as you leave here today is willing to do exactly what God is telling you to do. But your flesh has had decades to build itself up in arguing and fussing and liking its selfish ways and staying in its own little bubble. But let's make our spirit stronger than our flesh and get out of our own selfish ways and do it somebody else's way this time. Can you say amen? Amen. Jude says this. You all know it. Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 1 John 4, 5 says this. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can you say amen? amen? Stand to your feet. We now know that we don't want to plant any of this bad stuff in our life because we don't want to reap it. We don't want to plant any of these things and we want to avoid all of the devil's traps. We want to avoid everything that the devil's doing in our lives. We want to avoid anything that he can plant for our future. It doesn't matter if it's with family, if it's with friends. We want to be able to avoid anything that he has set for us. Because you know what? What happens so many times is we do these things and then we feel so guilty afterwards. And then the devil comes to us and says, you're never going to get that. Do you see how you acted? And he steals our faith from us because of dumb little things that happen to us with our families or with our friends or the way we react in situations. We don't want that to happen. How many of you still want life and blessing? This is the way that we get it. We watch how we react in situations. And we react with the love of God in every situation. We react to what's true and lovely and pure and just. All those things and a good report. Can you say amen? amen? Can you guys sing something? When you get finished singing this through one time, David, you give an altar call. Yes, ma'am. Or just confession would be fine. Yeah. Okay? Praise God. Yield yourself to the Lord.